Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. One of the criminals who hung there with him hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he turned and said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun had stopped shining. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. On Good Friday, we sometimes use the language that we are entering into the sufferings of the Lord, that Jesus has come and entered into our sufferings in the cross. And on Good Friday, we pause and enter into his sufferings and reflect on that. As Pastor Xavier said at the beginning of the service today, uh, we will celebrate on Sunday. Sunday is the resurrection. Sunday is where all of our hope lies. But on Friday, it is appropriate to pause and for it to be a little more somber and a bit more reflective and a bit more contemplative uh, as we reflect on what Jesus did for us. And on Good Friday, we are remembering everything that went into that event, this act of God uh, that we focus on today. Every gospel writer, uh, there are four gospels, and they all tell a different story of the cross. It's the same story, but with a bit of a different emphasis. Each of the authors chooses to emphasize a different thing. And so as we look at Luke's version of the story, uh, the basics are the same as everybody else's, but there's just a couple of things that he emphasizes. And one of those things is the curtain that tore, and one of those things is the thief that repented. And I just want to talk about those things for a couple of moments today. In the temple, uh, this was the holiest site in all of the Jewish faith, and it was in Jerusalem, and the temple was where you went to worship. Uh, we have churches everywhere now, and we have this understanding you can worship God anywhere, but this was not the case uh, before Jesus went to the cross. There was the temple, and the temple is where you went to worship, and there was very little of the temple that you could actually go into as a commoner. If you weren't a priest, you weren't allowed to go into the temple very much, and that's because the temple was the place where God dwelled. It was the place where his glory rested, where his spirit rested. And because of that, it was very, very holy and sacred ground. And because we are sinners, we were not able to go into that sacred ground. And so the priests were allowed to, and they would offer sacrifice, and they would bring offerings, and the priests would go, and they would do that for you. So you would go to the outside of the temple, and you would repent of your sins to the priest, and the priest would go into the temple and do the ceremonies, because you weren't allowed to go into the presence of God, because our sin wouldn't allow us to do that. And within that temple, there was a great curtain. 
And the temple was called the holy place. But then there was a part of the temple called the most holy place or the holy of holies. And it was sectioned off by a curtain. The whole room was five, six stories tall. And there was about four inches thick, this great big thick curtain. And behind that curtain, that was the the place where the fullness of the glory of God rested. That's where his presence was. It was in that sectioned off room. And this curtain was a barrier because our sinfulness did not allow us to connect with God in that way. So once a year, the high priest would go back there to to offer up an offering on the Day of Atonement. But other than that, nobody went behind the curtain. You were not allowed to go behind the curtain because we have all fallen short of God's standard. God has a law, and we have all broken it, and we call that sin. God is absolutely, perfectly holy and pure, and we have all done things that are unholy. We have all done things that are impure, and unholiness and impurity cannot stand in the presence of a pure and a holy God. We just can't. And so God, in his grace, in his mercy, actually took a step back from us. Uh, He actually took a step behind the curtain. And, and did that so that uh, we would not walk around terrified and in fear all the time of our sin and of our impurity before a pure and holy God. And so God chose to sort of sequester himself behind the curtain, and that's where his presence and his glory dwelled. And this is a problem. Because Isaiah says in Isaiah 59, your sins have separated you from God. And this is the common human experience, that we have been separated from God, that we are born separated from God, that our sin has divided us from him. Our sin has put a barrier up uh, between us and between him. Because again, our impurity cannot touch his purity. Our unholiness cannot touch his holiness. Our sin cannot touch a sinless God. And so with that, there is the uh, fear of God that comes, right? We fear our sin has offended him. We fear our, our, our actions have angered him. And there's this, this divide, this separation uh, that our sin has brought. And yet, on Good Friday, we celebrate this tremendous act of God that he did for us, that he created, came up with, and executed fully. Scripture says in 1 Peter that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he came as the Son, and he went to the cross for us. And where we are lawbreakers and we are sinners who have fallen short, and where lawbreaking demands justice, and where God has had to separate himself from us because of that, Yet at the same time, God's great love desires to be reconciled with us and to invite us back into relationship with him, to not be separated from him anymore. As one author has said, he could not bear the thought of eternity without you. And so he chose the cross. And where God's justice and God's love would seem to come into conflict when it comes to us because he loves us so much and yet we have been impure and unholy. Yet because God is one, there is no conflict. He is just, he is loving, and those things don't conflict at all. So there's no conflict there. There's just divine solution. I have a way to fix this, God says, where my justice and my love can fully come together and that act that he comes up with is the cross. That where we deserve 
just punishment for our sins. Jesus says, I will take the punishment that they deserve so that justice can be satisfied and so that God in his love can remove the sin that separates us from him and bring us back into right relationship with God. Not just now, but for eternity. You have been made right with God by an act of God. You have been forgiven by God through an act of God. You have been welcomed back into relationship with God for eternity by an act of God. He has done it entirely for us by himself. And so there was this curtain there, and it was standing, and presumably the day that Jesus is dying, it's business as usual at the temple, and the priests are there, and they're doing their duties, and you don't go past that curtain. And as Jesus is dying, there is this great tearing of the curtain. And Matthew and Mark's gospel make clear it tears from the top to the bottom. This was not a man, you know, at the bottom ripping it so that it went up. This too was an act of God where that barrier now between us and God is gone. That it is no longer a sin that stands between us. There is no longer any fear that we need to have. There is no longer any anger that we need to fear of him towards our actions. Even though we all have committed sinful actions, the barrier has been removed entirely. And we are invited back into fellowship with the Lord. We are invited back into relationship with him. And as scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And that is the offer and that is the call for every single person on earth. Be reconciled to God. Come back to God. You are welcome back to God. His anger and his wrath and our sins have all been dealt with by an act of God. You are welcomed back to the table. You are welcomed into eternal life. You are welcome to come and walk with God again. The curtain has been torn. The veil has been torn. The way has been made. The barrier has been removed. And we don't see this any more beautifully pictured than in the repentant thief on the cross turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now the thieves, I mean this same thief makes pretty clear, we're getting what we deserve here on the cross today. Jesus is innocent, but we, we are justly punished. So however they live their lives, they live their lives sinful enough that they were actually being executed by the state. And yet, as he turns to Jesus, he sees something. He understands something. And what's so beautiful about this story is he doesn't have all the answers at this point. He doesn't have the theology all worked out. He doesn't have everything all put together. He can't possibly, right? This is all apparently a new revelation to him, and he's lived a sinful life up to this point, to the point where the state is right in executing him. And yet he sees in Jesus something, and he has enough understanding to say, Jesus, I know you are more than just a man here. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, absolutely yes. Today we are going to be in paradise together before the day is out. And it's such a beautiful picture of that reconciliation because the thief is bringing nothing to the table. He doesn't have a theological checklist all checked off. He doesn't have a full understanding of who God is. He doesn't have any good works to earn his way into anything. He has done nothing for God. He has apparently lived his life in the exact opposite direction. And yet in this moment, he sees in Jesus who he is. And he says, Jesus, I trust you. Remember me. And Jesus says, you know what? That's what it takes. 
Now, presumably, if he lived longer, we would expect that he, his life would change and he would walk with the Lord. But what's so beautiful about this picture is that he brings nothing to the table. The thief adds nothing to this other than, Jesus, I trust you. And Jesus says, that is enough to meet me in paradise later today. That's it. Be reconciled to God, Scripture says. You have been made right with God by an act of God. It's been done for you. All we do is grab a hold of it and say, yes, Lord, I'll take it. Come back into relationship with God. Your sins have been dealt with and removed. And as we take this time today to reflect on that act, that's what's important. As Pastor Mesh led us through communion earlier, Jesus told us to remember this. Remember the act of God. Remember the body that was broken. Remember the blood that was shed. You are not your own, Scripture says. You were bought at a price. And we understand that as we take this time today to reflect on that, that that's important. It's something important for us to do, that we never take for granted the cross of Jesus Christ. Isaiah said, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to their own way. That's sin. But God has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God has laid the sin on him. It says he became sin. Jesus became sin so that God could nail that sin to the cross. So God could kill that sin once and for all. And so we take time today to pause and to remember that and hopefully with gratitude to worship him and honor him for that. And we're going to do that just a little bit more before we go. So would you stand to your feet with me please as we close in worship and then we'll pray.